Uh, I, I want to uh, wrap up. We've been in the book of Ephesians, in case you haven't been here or something. Uh, I, and I, I want to wrap that up today. It's been an amazing book. It's one of the more important books in the scriptures, and I hope that you've been receiving some things out of it, and hopefully you've been reading along with it. Uh, it's important for us to do this, to get into his word. Many of you uh, have seen the movie, maybe back in the 90s, uh, uh, late 90s, uh, called Patriot. It's, uh, it was that movie with good old Mel Gibson in it, and he had just finished up with the French War and decided that he was going to move way out in the middle of uh, uh, the country and just live a quiet, peaceful life. Yeah, go ahead and release the bridge on the students, kids this morning. Uh, and so he decided he was going to move out there, and so he takes his family over there. It's At a certain point, he lost his wife, so he and his kids are living out there. Um, and he just wanted to have peace. He wanted to get away from everything that was a problem. He knew what was war was war was like, and uh, and just just wanted to get away from it. Well, the problem that he was facing was it was it was during the time of the American Revolution, um, and and he just wanted nothing to do with it. So he tries to go live his life in a passive way. Well, in the process, one of his older sons sneaks off and joins the army, and he goes into battle, and it wasn't long after that in this movie that his son comes racing home with the British army following him. Sorry for the Brits that are here today. Uh, um, <laughs> but they're following him, and they get to Mel Gibson's house, and uh, they grab his son, they kill one of his other sons, and then they set his house on fire. And here he was, uh, he runs into his house, Mel Gibson runs into his house after they leave with his son and, and grabs his, uh, his guns and swords and everything that he could find and pulls them out. And the very war that he wanted to avoid and he wanted to stay away from came to his doorstep. So he grabs a couple of his children, he runs after the French uh, army, uh, to get his one son back. They were going to hang him. Uh, <clears throat> he gets there. He tells his kids, he says, listen, just start, uh, just start killing off the Brits. I'm going in to get your brother. As you know, Mel Gibson style, he runs in for two swords, kills everybody, gets his kids, and they make it home, you know, and they make it home okay. But... <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's it really is actually a, a good movie. Of course, I like Mel Gibson, and uh, but I, I think the, the 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 lesson out of that is that I think sometimes as believers we would like to do the same thing. Can we just get away from this warfare talk and get away and out of the war? And can we just be happy, nice Christians and just sit back and relax and not worry about the uh, the war that might be going on all around us, thinking that maybe it will never make it to our doorstep. But as I was preparing for this, my thoughts were telling me that the war has come to our doorstep. We're here. And, and, and uh, Paul is about to address that. And, and, and so as you know with the outline 
of this book. Let me just briefly run through it. We, we started out where he talks about being seated. The, the, the three-point outline was seated, walk, and stand. And, and we saw that the, the chapters 1, 2, and 3 had everything to do with who we were in Christ. In other words, our identity. Who are you? Who are you really in Christ? What, what has God done for you? And he talks about your position in him because it's important for us to know that if we're going to stand in that, especially when opposition comes in warfare. And then uh, through Ephesians chapter 4 through 6, about verse 9, we talked about walking worthy of the calling. In other words, living out the lifestyle and... Uh, uh, and, and, and living out the gospel the way that it was written because of who we are, this is how we live. And then Paul goes through, as you remember, he talks about, about four or five different elements which have to do with everyday life. The first one we talked about was wives submitting to their husbands and how important it is for us to grasp that and, 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 uh, uh, and to see that this is important because he says to do it as unto the Lord. And so wives have to sometimes look beyond that wonderful man they married so that they can honor and submit him the way, to him the way the Scripture says. Then we talked about husbands loving their wives. And how Christ gave and laid down his life. He died completely to himself, demonstrating that love. And when you really look at these, you can see how they kind of blend together to, 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 to formulate a beautiful picture of relationship. And then he goes on, and we didn't go through this, but uh, it's a children obeying your parents. And how the, they, they are to honor them. And in Children honoring their parents, they will be blessed. And then he goes on to talk about how servants should serve. And then he goes on and talks about how masters should treat their employees. And he said, and, and, and it's the whole idea of justice. Uh, and so we see the, the, the position. We're seated with Christ. We have an identity in him. We see our daily walk is important. He said, walk worthy of your calling or of who you are. And today we're going to look at standing. In other words, standing firm in the face of any spiritual opposition. And that's our purpose today. That's your purpose today is that you learn how to stand. The Bible says that the Jesus said that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not do what? Prevail against it. Well, if you're going to have to stand for that to not happen. And he's going to talk to us about that because I think it's critically important. I think uh, too many believers don't understand that we're in a spiritual realm. And then within that spiritual realm, there's a warfare going on. We attribute everything to the natural really quick, don't we? What can I see and feel and touch? But in fact, he says, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. I mean, it's just, it's, it's very clear, but yet we can miss that. And, and, and so we're in the middle of, as a believer, when you become a believer, you're stepping into one of the hardest things you'll ever attempt to do is to do what we talked about there, to live the lifestyle. And once you stand up to do it, you'll find that out. You might say, why? Well, what happened to this abundant life we were supposed to get at salvation? Well, it's abundant. it is an abundant life, but it's just a little different sometimes than what you think it looks like. 
and it comes about differently. And this is why we can do our very best in so many areas only to find failure in it. We can do our best to try to parent our children only to think that, that it's going to happen and it doesn't. And it's oftentimes because we maybe don't acknowledge that our children are in the middle of this warfare also. Even in that Patriot movie, the whole family was impacted. And it's a good thing those young boys of his knew how to fight, right? And had the heart of the father there. So they were able to step in and be a part of this and to make it happen. Today, more than 260 million Christians are suffering because of their Christian walk. That's a huge number. That's a huge number that you and I don't see. Right? What is our persecution? Well, the church is too hot today. The church is too cold today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just trying to be open here because Paul's about to step in and help us to understand something that if we can grasp it, it'll change everything about us and our families and our children's children and the world. In some parts of the world, as you well know, choosing to follow Christ could cost you your life. It's definitely happening right now all around us. It's costing jobs. It's costing lives. It's costing well-being. People are losing their homes. It's, uh, it's almost like it was in Paul's day back in the first century church. It got to the place where under the Roman Empire that if you uh, pointed out a Christian family and turned them in, you could have their house and everything that they had. And so you can imagine what happens there. And so we're, 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 <clears throat> we're, 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 we're sometimes, sometimes we just have to stop and recognize that, you know, yes, the, the, the Christianity is an abundant life. I, my worst day as a Christian is much better than my best day when I was a non-Christian. Right? And it's a difference, but there's a difference there, but yet it's real. And it's important, I think, for us as the church to recognize we are in this huge warfare. And that's why things aren't working out so well sometimes. Why is it so hard? This is what I put down. Number one, it's on your notes. It requires for you to die to this life. Jesus repeatedly talked about the reality of not marrying this life. In other words, don't marry this world. Don't try to build everything so well here on earth for yourself that you lose everything else that is going to last forever. And so his emphasis was always that. Don't, you know, don't, uh, uh, don't, uh, don't buy into this world's economy and don't buy into this world's culture and don't buy into this world's way of living because it's it's not the way to live it's not the way to go but yet so many people that's what we see this is what we're around every day so we kind of think how can we make the best of it how can I live the best in it and what he's saying is hey I want you to really lose this life. I want you to totally erase the reality of this short span that you're going to live here on this planet and exchange it for the eternal life that I've given you. And how do we begin to bring that here? Number two, uh, it's so hard because it, re- it requires you to die to self. 
I've literally got to begin to put down my own way and my own rights. I've got to be willing to do that. And I tell you what, that's more painful than it sounds, isn't it? Has anybody else found that that's a little bit harder than you thought it would be? You know, and so we, we, but, but that's what he's saying. And then number three, it, it puts you actually on the front line of fire. In other words, when you step into your, your, your Christ-like role and who you are, and you begin to try to do what he said to let his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven through you, you put yourself on the front line and you're going to be getting fired at with this spiritual warfare. Remember Gideon? Why was he hiding? God even said, you're the mighty man of God. Uh, you're going to take 300 people and wipe out this huge army. Why? Why are you hiding? Because he was facing spiritual warfare. What about Jonah? Why did Jonah run and hide? <laughs> Why are you swimming away, Jonah? What's happening? Where are you going? And what about Moses? You think about Moses, you know? Where are you running to? Why are you running to the desert when I already told you that you're going to be the deliverer of all of Israel? Because he was facing, he was experiencing the spiritual, invisible warfare that we're in. I often wonder how often, and I know that I've missed it at times and, and, and so forth, is how often... Uh, why is it so difficult to come to church sometimes? Why is it so difficult to open your Bible and read and study it? Why? Why is it so difficult to spend quality time in intimate relationship, which is prayer, with God regularly? Why is it so difficult to be faithful in giving the full tithe to the house of worship that you attend? Why is it so difficult to keep your thoughts pure and to keep your eyes on what's good? Paul's about to answer this. He's going to tell us that it's because you're in a spiritual warfare. And as long as you don't recognize that or believe what the Bible is going to tell us about that, you're going to find life to be a greater struggle than you can imagine because you'll be entangling yourself. You'll be boxing in the wind, the scripture says. You're going to be fighting the wrong thing. You're going to go back to what? Fighting flesh and blood, right? You know, it's that person, you, it's that wife you gave me, it's that husband you gave me, it's that job you gave me, it's, it's, it's always something is what it's going to be, when in fact it's probably going to be more in the spiritual arena than in the natural arena. This is what I have found through 40-some years of being a believer. So he talked to them about how, how, how they're to be seated, they're, they're, uh, who they are, what's their position. He talked to them about how to walk that out, and now he's about to talk to us about how to stand in the middle of it. Let's read this together. If you could pull up Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 up on the screen. Um, let's read this together if we could out loud. I, I just think this is such a powerful kickoff to what he's wanting us to catch this morning, and, and, and uh, <clears throat> let's read it together. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Okay, let's read it again just a little bit stronger. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, last week when we talked about, you know, wives submitting to their husband, or a couple weeks ago, you can listen to that if you missed it. What picture comes out of that? He says, I want you to do that as unto the Lord. That means sometimes I've got to look past my, my spouse so that I can do what he tells me to do in order to make things work. But as long as I keep my eyes on my spouse, I will find that there's always something I can find that's wrong with them, which gives me then the reason why I don't have to do what the word tells me to do. Right? Come on, I mean, you, you justify in your head. You start thinking it through, and you no, it can't be. No. And, 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 and he's saying, no, I want you to do all these things. And he tells the same thing to the husbands, as unto the Lord. And, he, and so he says, finally, my brethren, be strong and in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, obviously, he's coming to the end of the book, and so he's kind of pulling it to a close now, and he's going to give us some instructions concerning this. And uh, the first part of the instructions is found in Ephesians 6, verse 10, the first part of that verse that we just read, be strong in the Lord. Would you say that with me? Be strong in the Lord. Let's say that again. Be strong in the Lord. That that, that penetrate in. I want his word to come to our minds. When I get into a circumstance or a situation of any nature, what happens is is that uh, I have this file cabinet in the back of my head that I keep filled with certain types of information and notes and things that I've learned through life and everything else. And so when I get into a circumstance or a situation, my little guy in my head races back to the file cabinet to get the response and the answer that I need for that situation. I want him to go back and say, be strong what? In the Lord. You can do this. Right? Come on, that's why when a rock comes flying towards your face, what happens? That little guy races to your brain and says, put your hand up. It's exactly what happens, right? There's an immediate response. He wants us to have that kind of response in everyday life. And he wants to reveal to us, Paul seemed to be able to see exactly what was happening in the realm of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, he said, sometimes I don't know if I'm on earth or in heaven. So he, he understood this. He caught this. Why? Because he was filled with the knowledge of God. And spiritual understanding, which he talks about earlier in the, in the book of Ephesians. And he even prays that over us, that we might have that. We, we, we cannot be a good soldier in the battle unless we are strong and powerful. Good old Mel Gibson, right? Can you picture this guy? Just, just give him two machetes, he'll go kill the whole army. He'll just take care of it. I just, you just love it. You just got to know when he gets mad, it's over. Okay, this is what he said. I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to be strong in the Lord in order to be prepared for spiritual battle. And that always starts with me personally. Before I can have a victory in the world, I need to have victory in my own life. See, what happens, I think, and again, just, just, just bear this out with me. When you're first saved, okay, and I was saved, I, wasn't, I was not saved till I was 21 out of a really terrible lifestyle. So when I was first saved, I actually felt like I was perfect and I was never going to sin again. I really felt that until I sinned. 
And then it all kind of changed. And I started realizing, well, man, what's going on here? Something has to change. But I recognized kind of this uh, correlation between my zeal and my passion and my love for God versus me failing him. And how I begin to draw back from that passion and love because I was failing him instead of me going back and realizing that basically uh, God was working things in my life to transform me personally before I did anything else for him. How many realize that? You have an amazing call on your life. You really do. Every one of you has an amazing call on your life. But God's not just looking for somebody to fulfill something for him. He's after you first. He wants your heart first. He wants your life first. He wants you to know and grow in him first. Then he'll use you in a mighty way. But that requires you basically coming to what I said earlier. Why is the warfare hard? Because technically I have to die to self. Did you know that technically you have no rights at all once you get saved? He stole them. He took them from you. But how often does that get us in trouble? Our rights. This is my right. How often does that get us in trouble? But 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. So I understand I have no right to get mad, right? Because I have no rights, is what he's saying. And, and, and I think, you know, sometimes how many times does my rights get in the way of me doing what God wants me to do? Because it's my rights. That's my, wait a minute, wait, that's not my rights. And he's saying, no, you have no rights. <laughs> but oftentimes, you know, you're, 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 really, you're really being tested. You're being tested to see how you're going to stand when it comes to his word. And again, when, when, uh, uh, when uh, things don't go my way and things are attacking me, what do I do? Do I start disobeying God's word because of somebody else's influence in my life? Or do I keep my passion going? Do I keep following him? Do I keep sticking with his word and knowing what he's taught me? Knowing how, uh, you know, you know how you get a, you're going through life and all of a sudden you get a revelation about something about yourself, you know, and God brings this conviction upon you and wow, all of a sudden you're right. Yeah, that's right. God, I need to change that. I'm done doing that. Okay. Right. And, and that's great. And that's awesome. And God wants that. But then down the road as life plays out pretty soon, you talk yourself out of it for this reason or that reason because of the way somebody else is treating you or the way somebody else is or how they're acting or how they're living. And this is what he's saying. I want you to get your personal preparation. Be strong, not in your own strength, but be strong in the Lord. So in other words, somebody else is not going to influence you to do something against your Lord and Savior. You're going to follow him to the death of yourself. And believe me, there's believers, as I just mentioned, that are out there doing that all the way to the actual martyrdom death right now as we speak. And we know in the, the, the whole Afghanistan situation, brought in a, a huge in our face, that's what's happening. We're seeing it. And, it, and, and again, it's so far away, sometimes it's hard to see, but, uh, but it's happening.
And so sometimes we don't know when we're actually just being tested. You might be in the middle of a test now. And, 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 and so how are you doing with that? Are you staying strong in the Lord? Or are you giving in to other ways? The enemy of your soul uh, wants to keep your Christianity in a little small compartment that doesn't bother the world system or his kingdom. That's what he wants to do. He's wanting to do this with your Christian life. He's wanting to compartmentalize you. He doesn't mind you just coming to church and sitting here. But when, when, when you begin to change his culture out there, then he gets upset. And he begins an attack against you. Now, if you don't believe in the supernatural, then you're just going to get beat up, misled, and misdirected, and pushed back out of God's plan and purpose for your life. He'll just slowly deceive you out of it. But God says, no, 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 no. I want to display you out there. I want to display you in the world. I want to display you in your own family so your own family can see me in you. I want to display you out there uh, in, in every aspect of your life. But as we've seen in this day, can I rant for just a second? Okay. Here's what we've seen in this day. We're being methodically pushed back into spiritless buildings, performing religious sacraments while wearing masks and staying away from each other, and even forced to stay at home altogether. Some churches have shut down for an entire year. Now, my hope, my hope is they've been having secret meetings somewhere without masks. If I can just be bold with us today, okay? If you wear a mask, that's fine. We're, we say that. We have masks out there available. We're not judging. We're not to judge anybody. But what I'm saying is when you, can, when, when you, when you go to China where they will be murdered for it, not just ridiculed or maybe whatever, what do they do? They go out in the woods and they meet. Some of them with one page in the Bible. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm just in Afghanistan, they're being tortured and killed because they're not willing to forsake God. And they're gathering together, but yet here now, as we look around, we're beginning to see some of this stuff that's been happening around us. And, 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 and where's the attack coming? As we all noticed a year and a half ago, when the bars and a few other places and the abortion clinics weren't being bothered, but yet the churches were. What was that about? You know what I mean? I mean, we just want to try to natural it away or what? Or can we maybe say, hey, yeah, there's probably been a spiritual warfare going on. We kind of missed it here. So that we can stop. And this is, I think, what Paul's doing. He's saying, I've given you the position. I want you to live the lifestyle now publicly. And yet now this is what you're going to face when you do it. You're going to get mocked. You're going to get ridiculed. They're going to, they're going to do these types of things towards you. And again, uh, as I've said a few weeks ago, we're not sitting here judging anybody that's gotten the vaccine or hasn't gotten the vaccine. We're not, we're not, if you want to wear a mask, you can wear a mask. That's fine. There's no judgment in the house of God. But you know, let's be careful and make sure that what we're doing is as unto the Lord and not just unto man. 
This is critical. And I, and, I, and I am. I'm seeing things begin to happen more and more that's starting to uh, stir my heart up a little bit in this whole area to say, wow, what's really going on around us in America? And I heard a, 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 a religious leader recently say, if Jesus was alive today, he would have gotten the shot, he would have wore a mask, and he would have socially distanced. I might be wrong, but that's almost blasphemous. Come on, he knew no sin. There's no sickness in him. But this is where we're leaning, and why would we lean there? Why are we going there? And the only reason that I'm saying this, and there's others too, you know, I mean, we we recognize other, other organizations that are, a lot of them connected to the government and, and the money that they have that are bowing into the culture. It's like a guy that a couple years ago said, well, you're supposed to interpret the Bible based on what the culture says. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is something not right about that. And, and, and so... Uh, <clears throat> We've got, to, we've got to wake up, church. Amen. We've got to wake up. And it's going to start at the, the simple level <clears throat> of us getting in tune with the Holy Spirit enough to know when it's not the Holy Spirit. It's going to take discernment in, in this day and this hour. Because I, I, I probably wouldn't even have to ask you how, how many, you know, you begin to feel, oh, wow, what they're saying might just be true. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, well, we, and we know that there's a lot of, can I just be honest with this? There's just a lot of believers that are leaning toward that. And so they'll go right along with what the culture is saying about all of this. And, 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 and so I just, I just want to say, church, let's be strong in the Lord. Let's be strong in him. Let's be strong in his word and be in his word enough to where we have clarity of thinking and we have a discerning of the spirits so that we know what to do. That's what the Bible says. Know what you believe. Know what to do. Don't guess. And and for surely do not follow the culture. I've said it before. The scripture is very clear in the book of Revelation that there are really two churches at the end time. Right? There's the true church and the harlot church. That's what the Bible calls it. And so that means there's two churches all happening right now. True church and the harlot church. The problem with deception is that you don't know that you're deceived. Right? Well, the only thing that keeps us from being deceived is being in his word and in spirit. In other words, in the relationship, we don't just read it. Just like I said about the songs a week or so ago, if all you're doing is singing the songs and not letting the songs get into your spirit so you can go further in that song, further in your heart, further in the spirit of God, then you're probably missing the benefits of worship. The Bible, the Bible says that worship is critically important. And, uh, and so uh, let, let me read this quote. Spiritual efforts meet with excuses and procrastination because of spiritual warfare. And we could give numerous more examples. Christian families and marriages are under a huge attack today. Children are under an attack. Churches are under attack. 
pastors and church leaders are under attack, the Bible's under attack. All of this is due to spiritual warfare. And this is what he says, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And in saying this, I'm not saying that we don't mess our own families and churches, etc., up ourselves. How many know we do a pretty good job without the devil sometimes? You know, <laughs> we just do. But we also have to stop and acknowledge this because here's what happens. It's when we don't, we're basically allowing the devil a free reigns in our homes and in our churches and in our personal life. And, and, and again, the scripture has so much about it that I just couldn't get past it this, this morning to just say, church, we need to step it up. You just step it up. We really do. We need to step it up. You just need to step it up. He's, how, how many times do I say, don't be deceived? <laughs> don't be deceived. And again, the only way to not be deceived is to be in spirit and truth, spirit and truth, not just truth not just spirit. You have to have both of those. John 4, 24. Those that worship me really, truly do it in spirit and truth. And, and uh, Ephesians uh, 6, 10 is really, uh, it's a rallying battle cry to spur us as his people to victory. Amen. Right? He's not stirring us to run. No, he's saying, I'm stirring us. Become Mel Gibson in heart. Come on, let's grab the two-edged sword. Go after it. And let's quit letting the world and our family and our churches be totally destroyed because the enemy's gotten in. It's, it really is. You know, it's kind of like the, the, uh, the, the rally, you know, you know, give me liberty or give me death. This is what, he, this is what Ephesians is about. Or remember the Alamo. You know, he's calling us back to something to say, church, wake up. It's time to wake up. Think about Judges 7 and verse 20. If you want to just write that down so you can read it later. Judges 7 verse 20. Uh, remember when uh, God finally did get Gideon out of hiding and, and he went to him. Listen to what the verse says. It says, and they, with his 300 men, they surrounded the camp, and after breaking the pots which held their torches and blowing into their trumpets, doesn't sound like a good idea for going into battle, but they did. They blew their trumpets. But they all shouted out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They shouted it out. And this is what Paul's calling us out to do. Hey, be strong in the Lord. Now's the time. And in the power of his might. Uh, and again, everything's pointing back to this spiritual thing. And really, the word strong there, to be strong in the Lord, the word there means this. It means to be strengthened. So you see, it's an outside force coming to us. He's not saying you just buck up and do this yourself. He's saying, I want you to be strengthened in the power of the Lord, in the power of his might. And so he's calling us into this place and um, calling us up to it. Romans 4.20, I think I have that written on your notes. Romans 4.20, he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was what? He was strengthened in his faith. 
He was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. So something has to happen inside of me that I become strengthened in my faith. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who what? He strengthens me. See, and so we're being called out to receive his strength. Let me jump ahead here this morning and read these two verses and then uh, wrap it up. Uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 14 to 19, earlier in Ephesians, Paul revealed his prayer for you and I. Paul knew the importance of this prayer. Listen to this. For this reason, I bow the knee before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named according to the riches of his glory that he may grant you to be what? Strengthened with what? Power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know what the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in your inner man. Now, see, that doesn't happen if I don't spend time with him, right? If all I do is pray over my dinner and lunch, and I call that my prayer time, I'm missing this inner strength and this inner power that he wants to strengthen me with. And I have to realize this because as I face the battles and I face the challenges, I can I know what I need to do. I need to go back to the Lord and receive his strength and his power. Paul knew this was the secret sauce, so to say. And then he finishes the last part of the verse, and he talks about the power of God. Be strengthened with the power through <clears throat> his spirit and in your inner being. And, and uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 says it this way earlier in the same book. In his mighty strength. See, God has all the power that you need. God has all the power that you need. That's about three quarters of you. God has all the power that you need. See? We have to remember that when the battle comes, when things begin to happen that I don't understand and thoughts begin to roll that I shouldn't have, when temptation comes that I need to not fall into, I need to understand this. I need to say, God, I need your strength right now. I need to say that in the middle of that battle that comes where? The only place that he can attack you is your thoughts. He can, if he can get you to agree with him, he's winning the battle. You know, when he comes to you and says, hey, go to your spouse and ask for forgiveness, you blew it. Will you do that? Well, how many of us have argued about that in our own minds and talked ourselves out of it? Why? Because we agreed with him. Because God would have never said that, would he? 
God will never tell you not to go get it right with your spouse. Can I say that one more time? He'll never tell you, no, don't get it right. She deserves your punishment. Withhold. He's never going to tell you that. Right? And I'm firm and I'm strong and I'm going to stand there with it. And I'm not going to let him come and invade my territory and my home and my life. And this is what Paul's trying to really get across to us. It's his mighty strength. Ephesians 1.19. I also pray that you will understand. I also pray that you will understand. And I think this understanding only comes supernaturally to us. I won't figure this out in my own wisdom. But if you will understand, that's why he's praying this. I, I, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Wow. Wow. God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when I do it with his help. Be strong in the power of the Lord. Be strong in his might. Call upon it. And when you feel like you can't, go back to him and go back to his word. Say, God, I need it today. I really can't do this. And you know what he'll say? You're right. I've been waiting for you to come so I could give you the strength, the power, the dunamis to do what you don't, your mind doesn't want to do. And what you know you should do. Why? Because of the Lord. I'm, not, I'm, I'm doing everything as unto the Lord. Let me just close with this out of Isaiah. Because I think it so beautifully gives us something. Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he faints not, neither is he weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to who? The faint. When I'm fainting, he's going to give me power. And to them that have no might, he's going to increase strength. Come on, it only comes from him, doesn't it? Man, we throw in the towel so quick. <laughs> but it comes from him. Then I can begin to do the whole thing. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait, spend time, meditate upon the Lord, they're going to renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagle, and they shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We were already raised and seated together with him in heavenly places. We already have a direct connection with him as his son, as his daughter. And now he's just saying, well, you guys, listen, you're going to need to draw from this strength now more than ever before. Because the spiritual battle, I think we would all agree, is, out, is increasing. Right? You're going to feel it. That's why they're saying that a third of America is now on depression pills or suffering anxiety and so forth. A third of America. There's no reason for that. 
Come on, I, I know there's medical reasons, so let's not go there. But let's just tell you in general, a third of our country, third of the population should not be in that position. Especially in America. Right? But we're there. Why? Because we've not stopped drawing from the strength of the Lord. So let's just pray real quick. I want you to just close your eyes for just a moment if you wouldn't mind. Maybe you've recognized some warfare. Maybe you've recognized some throw-in-the-towel mindset or, God, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Or I just don't know if I can keep doing it. I don't know. Can I keep going? How can this happen? And, and so forth. Or maybe you're in the middle of a battle right now and, and, and you're, you're, you're really stressed out of it. I want you to know God wants to remove the stress and give you his strength. He wants to take the stress, give you strength. He wants to give you his power. That's why he went to the cross, so that he could do that. So let's just pray. Father, right now we've had a beautiful time of worship. We've had uh, communion with you, Lord. We've honored you at the communion table. We've dedicated a beautiful young life and their parents to raising this child. And God, we've looked into your word now, and we thank you for it. And I pray today more than anything that if we would all see clear that we are in a spiritual battle that's only increasing, but God, you're giving us a cheering call of victory, not defeat. And if there's ever been a time for your church to rise up in victory, it's today. So even now, Father, plant the seed so deep that it will not disappear when we walk out these doors. And give us an an awareness and a sensitivity to this spiritual realm that we live in every day. And that you'd give us the ability to overcome. And I thank you for each person here. Bless, Father God, your word and our gathering and our worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's so many people out there right now searching, searching, searching. They're hungry. They're hurting. They're out there having absolutely no answers. They're being bounced around like a ping pong ball in this culture right now. They are out there. We need to be the light for them. We need to get out there and shine and not fall prey uh, to to the, the wrong thing. Amen? All right, could you stand to your feet? Will you just take a couple minutes before you leave, find somebody and get their name and greet them and, uh, and have an awesome week. And again, thank you. We'll be gone for a week, so feel free to call Jonathan, 